Hi there, thanks for tuning in for Session 5 of the 4th World Sepsis Congress, Advances and Challenges by Our Regional Sepsis Alliances. Without further ado, let me hand it over to Ulrika Knudsen to get us started. Ulrika? Hello, and welcome to uh, this fifth session uh, where we will talk about advances and challenges when it comes to sepsis around the world, presented by our uh, regional sepsis alliances. My name is Ulrika Knutsson. Uh, I work for an NGO in Sweden, um, uh, Sepsis Fonden, and I'm also part of the ESA Steering Committee and the GSA Board. So the format for this um, session is that uh, each speaker will talk for about 10 minutes and then we will have about three minutes after each speaker for some questions. So if you would like to address any questions to the speakers, please write them uh, directly into the chat on the live stream site uh, during the speech and uh, we will try and get as many as possible across to the speaker in the three minute question time. Uh, we do have a limited time, so it might be that we can't get all questions in, but I will do my very best to, to try and do that. So uh, we will now start with our first speaker, uh, and I would very would like to welcome uh, Emmanuel and Sutebu, who is uh, who will talk about uh, increasing sepsis recognition in Africa via advocacy. Emmanuel is the chair of the African Sepsis Alliance and a consultant infectious diseases physician working at Mafrak Hospital in Abu Dhabi as a chief of infectious diseases. And he's also a consultant infectious diseases physician at the Tropical and Infectious Diseases Unit of the Royal Liverpool Hospital. He was also the uh, advancing quality clinical co-leader for sepsis in the northwest of England. But today, uh, Emmanuel will talk about increasing sepsis recognition in Africa via advocacy. So please, Emmanuel. Thank you very much, Ulrika, and thank you to the Global Sepsis Alliance and organizers for inviting me to speak. Um, so I'll be talking about increasing sepsis recognition in Africa uh, via advocacy and the work of the African Sepsis Alliance. Uh, I plan to cover why sepsis should be a priority in Africa, how do we conceptualize sepsis improvement in Africa, which is always a topic we uh, discuss with uh, policymakers, and then talk also about our past advocacy initiatives and our future advocacy initiatives. So why focus on sepsis in Africa? Well, in simple terms, because the burden of disease of sepsis in Africa is the highest in the world, and we are currently have the least amount of sepsis improvement activities in that continent. So there's an imbalance. And despite the World Health Assembly Resolution 2007 on sepsis, this is still a problem. And everybody in Africa deserves the right to survive sepsis. The Lancet Global Burden of Disease report on sepsis published in 2017 described quite graphically the burden of sepsis across the world. And as you see on this map, the highest burden is in Africa, highest incidence, age standardized incidence in Africa. We have about 17 million cases of sepsis every year in Africa, that is 35% of the global cases. 3.5 million deaths in, in Africa each year, 32% of global uh, um, deaths. And this is, is about 30 deaths, 30 cases, and six deaths 
every minute in happening in Africa. Africa also has the youngest population in the world, with uh, more than 60% of the population being under the age of 25. So it disproportionately affects younger people in Africa with years of life lost. Put it in another way, sepsis mortality in Africa is high. Numbers are high, but the percentage mortality case fatality rate for patients admitted to hospital sepsis is also high. With a 30-day sepsis mortality described in a number of papers and in this meta-analysis being around 54%, significantly high. In addition to that, the vulnerable groups for sepsis, which are these groups, elderly uh, adults with comorbidity, less so in Africa. In Africa, it's more younger population, children, especially new, neonates and pregnant women. For example, sepsis is the most is the third most important cause of maternal mortality in the world. And out of 130,000 deaths estimated every year, more close to 99% are in low and middle income countries such as in Africa. In addition to that, neonatal mortality, around 300,000 deaths in neonates caused by sepsis every year, more than 75% also in low and middle income countries and such in Africa. So why is we think sepsis is also different in terms of its occurrence in Africa? They have very different features. First, the host is different, as I've already mentioned, the younger population, more HIV, um, malnutrition. The pathogens that cause sepsis in Africa are different, and papers have described more TB-related sepsis. For example, antimicrobial resistance is more of a problem. Resources uh, invested in healthcare systems are less, and healthcare systems are weaker, especially critical care. Health-seeking behaviors are also different in, in Africa with late presentation. We don't have enough data for, uh, to, for sepsis in Africa in terms of burden of disease, uh, as also interventions that really make a difference for sepsis improvement. And we can't transpose things that work in the West to Africa. An example is bolus fluid resuscitation and, and research studies in adults and in children showing higher mortality with bolus fluid resuscitation in Africa. So sepsis in Africa is different and needs to be addressed in a different way. We can't transpose things from the West to Africa. So the mission of the African Sepsis Alliance as a regional alliance of the Global Sepsis Alliance is to provide leadership to reduce mortality and suffering um, related to sepsis in Africa. And we, we, we need to, to conceptualize what sepsis improvement looks like. And um, this diagram really just helps to describe that. First, it's about preventing infection. You can't have sepsis without infection. And so vaccination, antimicrobial resistance and stewardship, infection prevention and control and improving patient safety in hospital is part of preventing infection and also part of, of preventing sepsis. But the crux of sepsis improvement is recognition and treatment of patients who are critically ill with infection and sepsis. And that involves strengthening healthcare systems to recognize and treat severely ill patients as a whole, including patients with sepsis. And that has the benefit of also improving recognition and response to emerging infection, as we've seen with COVID-19. It's also post-sepsis care. We know that mortality and morbidity related to sepsis continues even after discharge from hospital. So we also need systems that help to mitigate the morbidity and mortality after discharge from hospital. And in summary, it, uh, addressing sepsis in Africa really underpins the Sustainable Development Goals number three 
good health and well-being. Now, how have we done that in the past? Uh, first, these are examples which I'll go through very quickly. We have a, a public awareness video, which is on YouTube on sepsis in Africa, which is introduced by the patron of the African Sepsis Alliance's very famous Cameroonian footballer, who you may, you may remember, Roger Miller, who was a star in 1990 World Cup, 1990 Football World Cup. And I would urge you to have a look at this at this video. We also published the um, the uh, Kampala Declaration in 2017, um, which summarized why sepsis improvement needs to happen in Africa and the different uh, issues that need to be addressed. And that was signed by over 3,500 people around the world from uh, over 150 countries. We also pr produced policy briefs and fact sheets on sepsis to help policymakers understand why it's important to focus on sepsis and the different aspects that they need to, to work on. That's also available on our website, African Sepsis Alliance website. As well as these advocacy um, uh, approaches, we also use education for advocacy. And an example of that is um, the African Sepsis Alliance is one of the alliances with a student alliance, African Sepsis, Student Sepsis Alliance. It is hosted by the International University of Africa based in Sudan and works with its alumni and current students and students all over Africa to provide education on sepsis, but also advocate for sepsis improvement across Africa. We also are quite active in, in, in celebrating World Sepsis Day. And these are examples of celebrations of World Sepsis Day across countries in Africa, also advocating for improvements. We also host a symposium, African Sepsis Symposium, on a yearly basis, such as this one, 2018 in Kenya. And in 2021, we hosted, the, the, for the first time, the International Sepsis Forum in Rwanda. It's a hybrid conference with over 3,500 people, uh, healthcare workers registered all over Af Africa and, and receiving really high quality um, training on sepsis, but also using it as an advocacy tool for sepsis. Research is also an advocacy tool, and Dr. Shevin Jacobs will be talking about this in his talk, which follows from mine, but it's just to highlight that involving policymakers in research quite early also helps to advocate for sepsis improvement. And the African Research Collaboration on Sepsis, funded by the National Institute for, for Health in the UK, and also the um, just-funded German Federal Ministry of Education, um, sub-education sub, uh, and research, the STAIRS project, Sub-Saharan Africa Consortium for Advancements of Innovative Research in Care and Sepsis, is also a tool which we're going to use for advocacy. So what is the plan for the future? The plan for the future is for us to do a, 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 a focus on a number of things. First is we, we need to involve policymakers and members of the public in sepsis improvement and engage key organizations such as WHO Afro and CDC Africa and African Union in Sepsis Improvement. And we've already started engaging with these organizations to do that. We also plan this, this year to work with them to declare sepsis a national and continental priority and also run the side event at the International Conference on Public Health in Africa in November to discuss sepsis improvement in Africa. We also plan to identify high profile advocates across African countries and use them to run um, sepsis awareness campaigns and use survivors also, patients, who survive sepsis, develop a group also to drive sepsis improvement. We also plan to, do, to develop national action plans across African countries and use that also as an advocacy tool, key advocacy tool. 
And lastly, the Regional Sepsis Alliance, uh, at the moment, African Sepsis Alliance is run as, as an organization within the Global Sepsis Alliance. It doesn't have an office in Africa. Our, our strategy is to, going forward, to have an, an office in Africa with an executive director. So on the ground, it can um, improve our engagement with all the organizations that we, we need to engage with in Africa. And lastly, sepsis improvement needs to be funded by organizations in Africa. And that also, we plan to do that through advocacy. And we're already discussing with the African Development Bank about how they can also help fund sepsis improvement activities in Africa. And I'll stop there and take any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, very interesting, and, and just to hear what, what the advocacy work I've been doing in, in Africa, it, it's, uh, it, I can understand that it's a diverse continent with uh, uh, maybe a lot of, as you said in the beginning, uh, different, maybe sometimes different issues than other other parts of the world and so on. Uh, I was, uh, I got some question here from um, from the audience about the situation in Sudan, if that's in, in any way uh, affecting uh, the work there. I, I, you talked about the students in Sudan and so on. Um, so that might be a question. Uh, but I would also like to uh, ask you about the the plans for a regional office. Is there any country in, in Africa that is is more uh, likely to, to have such an office for, for uh, the Sepsis Alliance, Afri African Sepsis Alliance? Thank you. Uh, our thoughts uh, go with um, the Sudanese people yeah. um, with the current crisis in, and a war in, in, in Sudan. It's a real shame because Sudan actually, prior to the war, has the strongest national sepsis alliance in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been involved in a lot of sepsis improvement activities and also have a patient group as well as involvement with the, with the student, the, the um, African student uh, sepsis alliance. So it's a shame. It definitely will be heavily affected by the, by the war, and we hope that there will be peace very soon in Sudan so they can continue with the sepsis uh, um, work. And with respect to your question about the, the office, we um, are exploring a number of options um, aligned with the work that we're doing. First is the STAIRS um, project is hosted by an organization called Walimo, which is based in Uganda. And because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of um of um cross uh working between african Sub alliance and and stairs with we're looking at uganda as a potential location for this, for this office the other location with we're exploring is ethiopia because the cdc africa and africa union based offices are based in 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 um in in ethiopia Addis Ababa, and clearly also an a, a, a location where um there could be a, a quite potential for um, uh, significant amounts of advocacy and work with these organizations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, um, for this interesting insight on the African continent and uh, the advocacy work that you are doing there and, and are planning to do in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we will now go on to our second speaker, who is Shevin Jacob, uh, also from Africa, from African Research Collaboration on Sepsis in Uganda. Uh, Shevin is, uh, will talk about uh, fostering quality improvement in sepsis management in Africa via research. 
Shavlin is uh, an, an infectious diseases physician and reader in sepsis research uh, at the Liverpool School of um, Tropical Medicine. Since uh, 2006, uh, he has been conducting research aimed to improve the management and outcome uh, of patients uh, hospitalized with life-threatening infections uh, in resource-constrained settings with a primary focus on adult sepsis in, in Uganda, uh, where he currently lives. And Shivin is also the uh, Secretary General for the African Sepsis Alliance and a board member, an executive, executive committee member of the Global Sepsis Alliance. So a warm welcome to you, Shivin. Is that rightly pronounced, by the way? Captain, <laughs> uh, like... Uh... Uh, Shevin, like Kevin. Shevin, Shevin. Okay, okay. Um, but thank you, Ulrika, for the for the uh, introduction, um, and also uh, thanks to uh, Emmanuel for uh, kind of priming this this talk. He's uh, already spoken on um, the work, the advocacy work uh, with African Sepsis Alliance, and um, I'm happy to 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 speak on behalf of the African Sepsis Alliance and to talk a little bit about um, our initiatives in research uh, with a focus on quality improvement. So my, I have no financial conflicts to disclose. Um, and so Emmanuel has already spoken about uh, uh, the importance of sepsis in Africa. There's a disproportionate burden of mortality, um, as uh, Emmanuel's already highlighted. Also, maybe just to highlight some recent data that came out um, uh, about uh, infections due to antimicrobial resistance or drug-resistant infections. Uh, and the mortality associated with that and the disproportionate burden um, that rests in, in Africa as well. So um, a, a lot of reason to uh, have research that will uh, improve outcomes. Um, and uh, I think it's useful to have a framework um, to kind of systematically identify where the research gaps are and um, using the patient journey is uh, especially useful because it allows us to look at different elements of sepsis care uh, from the pre-hospital to in-hospital um, and post-discharge uh, contexts. Um, and it's within uh, uh, that kind of model or framework that the work that African, the African Sepsis Alliance has been doing in research uh, has, has uh, deliberately been um, sort of using such a framework um, uh, to, to, to conduct research and answer specific types of answer and identify uh, specific types of questions. So um, Emmanuel's already spoken uh, about these, these different initiatives. Uh, there's the African Research Collaboration on Sepsis or ARTS, which is funded by uh, the UK, UK National Institute for Health and Care Research. Um, and then more recently um, is sort of the follow-on funding from the, uh, the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research uh, for, for the consortium called STAIRS. And I'll speak a little bit about uh, some of the work that we're doing specific to quality improvement um, related to both of those initiatives uh, towards the end of this talk. Um, but first, when we when we talk about quality, um, uh, there are you know sort of challenge. There, it's, it's worth it to highlight what sort of challenges uh, are in providing the quality sepsis management in resource constrained settings. And I highlighted just a few here. Um, you know, the challenge of diagnosis. Uh, uh, occurs because of limited diagnostic testing capacity, and that contributes to um, the uh, a narrow differential diagnosis and the ability to kind of uh, determine what is really the etiology of uh, a patient's illness in front of you. 
And oftentimes, uh, if there are uh, testing capabilities, um, those are meant to be borne from uh, the patients, which is often quite untenable. So the cost of diagnosis and really trying to unpack what might be causing sepsis is, is, is quite a challenge. Um, also a challenge is really trying to kind of nail down the approach to, to treatment. Uh, uh, there's often a limited access to national and international guidelines. And Emmanuel has uh, highlighted the importance of having context-specific uh, guidance. And, and um, uh, currently, the existing guidance is not uh, very context-specific for the research-constrained settings in which we're working. Um, in session three earlier today, I spoke a little bit about the four S's, staff, stuff, space, and systems. And deficiencies in any of those um, uh, also contribute to challenges in being able to provide uh, quality care. Um, and colleagues, uh, Dr. Papali and others, um, have used uh, the three delays model and applied that to sepsis in resource-limited countries um, to really come up with a, a framework that allows us to kind of identify areas um, that require um, uh, further uh, uh, improvements uh, to, to kind of deliver that quality care. So quality improvement research is an area of, of work um, that, that uh, is, is very important. The, uh, and so I, what I want to go through over the next few slides is, uh, is an example of quality improvement research that we've done in Uganda, and it's specific to uh, a program that we called Severe Illness Management Support, or SIMS. And in developing the intervention, we used uh, an existing framework, the COMB um, uh, framework, uh, to link training and quality improvements. And here we were able to sort of come up with um, uh, aspects of capability, opportunities, motivations um, to, uh, uh, to target uh, the behavior, which is to deliver high quality care for se severe illness. And then taking that further, we um, developed a multi-component intervention using the TDAIR uh, uh, tool. Um, and this ultimately led us to having a, a, an intervention that included clinical mentoring, support supervision and collaborative improvement meetings, and audit and feedback. So we ultimately did an intervention evaluation with a step wedge study design at four Ugandan health facilities, um, looking at the impact of SIMS on processes of care for the management of severe illness. And we enrolled uh, uh, well, about 6,000 patients over an eight-month period. And through this work, we were able to identify significant increases in vital sign assessments and improvement in severe illness recognition. So certainly a start in, in being able to look at the fundamental elements of quality improvement research. But when we reflected on the intervention, we did notice that there were key challenges. And these challenges included that the, the audits uh, that we were doing every week were, was quite labor intensive. And then beyond um, uh, the, uh, the intervention study period, um, there was inconsistency in terms of delivery and sustainability across the health facilities. And for these reasons, the intervention was difficult to scale. So we've asked the question, would digitizing SIMS address some of these challenges? And we think so, um, you know, with, uh, with the ability to potentially integrate with clinician workflows and with existing Ministry of Health digital platforms um, and the potential of automating audit processes using machine learning and um, artificial intelligence. 
So digital health and mobile health solutions is not new, and it certainly can offer solutions in many areas of health, including for patients, health workers, health system managers, and data services. But I think, as we all know, it's not a panacea. And in fact, as a result of this, the term pilotitis uh, sort of has emerged, and it reflects the frustration at an emphasis on um, uh, demonstrating outcomes from narrow interventions that target relatively small populations. And the challenges that result from this include scalability, financing, sustainability, and interoperability with existing platforms, many of which we already have seen with SIMS. And in fact, in 2012, the government of Uganda, where I am, issued a moratorium on pilot mobile health um, to counter uh, the issues above. But there are examples of, of successful uh, introductions of digital health. And uh, I, I use an example here, which is a smart triage program, uh, which is a collaboration between uh, uh, investigators at the University of British Columbia and, and our group uh, in Uganda, uh, Wawimu. And this was an interrupted time series study to look at the digital triage platform and it's um, to determine whether it would reduce the time to IV antibiotics for children in a Ugandan hospital. The platform, uh, the goal of it was to rapidly identify critically ill children with sepsis or a heightened risk of developed sepsis. And features include the ability to measure danger signs and using a predictive risk score algorithm is the one you see on the right. Um, and as well, vital signs measurement included a mobile pulse oximeter attachment and a software-based respiratory rate counter. And ultimately, there was a, a, a demonstration of um, uh, improvement in time to IV antibiotics um, with uh, uh, children prioritized as emergency, receiving the greatest time benefit. Um, and there was a demonstration of decreased waiting times as well. So given uh, this background, um, we, uh, in moving forward, are interested in digitizing the SIMS platform. And under the ARCS uh, uh, work, um, we uh, collaborated with iStreams, which is a Uganda tech company, um, to uh, develop uh, an app for uh, digitizing SIMS. And uh, among the features of eSIMS includes uh, things like a dashboard, vital sign monitoring and prompts uh, for triage monitoring and, uh, and managing emergencies. <clears throat> and under STAIRS, we intend to uh, conduct a multi-country evaluation in two phases. The first phase will be an iterative mixed methods evaluation of perceptions of health workers on feasibility, acceptability, and usability and improving the management of sepsis. And then based on that feedback, uh, the, the, the final iteration will be used um, in a step wedge evaluation um, to look at eSIM's effectiveness in improving processes of care and outcomes for patients hospitalized with sepsis. And we'll be doing this work across uh, Uganda, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ghana, and Sierra Leone. And um, given some of the challenges that I mentioned already, we are already uh, planning to uh, uh, introduce um, uh, sort of exploration of interoperability and scalability from the, uh, from the outset. And just to close this out, uh, work that we have already done in, in, in ARCS is, is um, on, on sepsis quality measures and really trying to identify standard statements and indicators um, has, has been done. And uh, we intend to uh, publish the results of our Delphi uh, uh, rounds um, where we uh, obtained consensus 
through members of the uh, African Sepsis uh, Alliance uh, network on metrics of safety and quality care for patients um, with critical illness in Sub-Saharan Africa. So uh, watch the space. And um, uh, again, thank you very much for, for the opportunity to talk. Thank you so much. I, mean, uh, I think this is really interesting, and I uh, we haven't got any questions from the from the audience, but I I would like to ask you about I thought this this e, e uh, sims um, application that you were uh, or you're not trying out it looks really interesting, and I was wondering if if this is something that you're sharing with with other uh, of the. Um, the sepsis alliances maybe uh, from other parts of the world i think it's it looks like something that could be useful in 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 many not just in africa i mean is this some some do you have collaboration outside of africa with this um so the 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 collaboration is is quite broad with the sort of our partners in africa we have partners in germany the uk okay. amsterdam etc um, uh, and, but, uh, I mean, I think you raise a really good, important point about the potential of having solutions that, you know, sort of emerge from, uh, different regions of the regional sepsis alliances and, and the crosstalk that we can have to sort of synergize our approaches globally. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, right now this, uh, the app is available on the Google play store, but it's still <laughs> sort of locked, uh, uh, until we kind of finalized and, and, and done some of this further evaluation. But indeed, uh, you know, I think um, having uh, input and, uh, you know, sort of trying to adaptation uh, for other settings will be will be a really important out, um, outcome from, from this work. Yeah, great. I, 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 as, as you said, I think it's great if we can, this platform that we are talking on right now is one one way of sort of having, uh, talking about the best practice and then trying to to pick the cherries in in the cake, so to speak, and then help help each other to find the best the best way to to prevent sepsis. I think that's really one of the good things about this this kind these kind of meetings. I think. So thank you so thank much. You. Um, we will now continue um, for to our next speaker uh, who. Um, we'll talk about responding to the burden of sepsis across the Asia Pacific through regional advocacy, education and support for low resource settings. And with us today, we have Madhya Hashmi from Pakistan, who is a representative from Asia Pacific uh, Sepsis Alliance. Uh, Madhya is a professor and chair of the Department of Clinical Care Medicine at Siaudin University in Karachi and a visiting faculty at Aga Khan University in Karachi in Pakistan. And Madia is also an honorary physician at Moeed Idol Oxford Research Unit in Bangkok and a member of the board of directors of the International Severe Acute Respiratory and Emergency Infections Consortium. Now, that's a mouthful, I have to say. <laughs> so, please, Maria, could you uh, join us now and and talk a little bit about uh, the, re the re responding of the burden of the sepsis across the Asian Pacific? Thank you very much. And a very warm welcome to the audience from across the globe in various time zones. I'm really grateful uh, for this opportunity to share with uh, all of you the achievements and challenges faced by the Asia-Pacific region in their fight against sepsis. So Asia-Pacific region is home to nearly 60% of the world population. 
and uh, the burden of sepsis is higher uh, proportionate uh, to the population and uh, this region has the highest number of uh, patients affected by sepsis so it is very important that uh, 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 to, to address this burden of sepsis the asia pacific sepsis alliance was uh, formed in uh, bangkok in uh, 2018 so all asian uh, pacific members of the global sepsis alliance are automatically members uh, of the uh, asia pacific sepsis alliance and there is a whole uh, 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 we have mostly a low and uh, upper middle income countries in this region but we also have uh, high income countries like australia new zealand japan taiwan in this region so the health system obviously they vary uh, largely in this region and to achieve the vision of an asia pacific free of sepsis there are three uh, um areas that uh, epsa is targeting the regional advocacy for change awareness education and clinical guidance and research and quality improvement the activities of the asia pacific sepsis alliance are coordinated through a steering committee which is uh, supported and works very closely with the global sepsis alliance the uh, regional alliances world health organizational um, organizations regional offices and government and individuals and we are very grateful uh, to george institute in uh, australia where the epsa program office rests and a lot of activities are done with the help of two working groups mainly the one working group um, looks after the research and awareness and the other one the quality improvement and uh, research so the most important is to adopt and facilitate uh, the adoption of the key performance indicators of the uh, uh, sepsis resolution that was adopted uh, by the world health uh, assembly in uh, 2017 to achieve that we have to engage with governments uh, from world health organization as well as uh, from the country level um, uh, stakeholders so that national action plan is uh, available to all the member states however epsa has been very uh, successful in mobilizing individuals and uh, professional societies in their respective countries and uh, the world uh, sepsis day since 2012 has been um, really a focus of uh, activities to spread awareness not only among physicians but among public as well and we have have many uh, active um, uh, clinician champions who have been um, uh, spearheading all these uh, activities in their respective countries many of the countries have uh, formed uh, formal sepsis alliances or societies and trusts and forums uh, so that uh, they, these platforms can be used uh, uh, for the advocacy and uh, awareness activities so world sepsis declaration um obviously gives out uh, the guidance how uh, to spread the awareness and education and improve the sepsis uh, care and we also have the bangkok declaration and the karachi sepsis declaration signed by many um, members from the uh, respective countries and the aim is to facilitate uh, the adoption of uh, the sepsis uh, resolution a uh, surviving sepsis campaign guidelines is the cornerstone 
to improve uh, the early recognition and management of sepsis. Uh, but obviously, uh, the resources are uh, different in different countries. So many countries have uh, tailored the surviving sepsis campaign guidelines according to their own resources. Then we have a very comprehensive sepsis management uh, in resource limited settings, a document that is endorsed by the European Society of Intensive Care. And I think the uh, major milestone is the sepsis uh, clinical care standard that has been put forward by the Australian Sepsis Network. And uh, they can they are freely available and they can be adopted by individual uh, countries to improve the care of the sepsis patients. But when it comes to national action plans, it is very unfortunate that only the two high income countries, Australia and New Zealand, they have a national action plan for sepsis. Nearly all of the low and uh, upper middle income countries, they have national action plans for antimicrobial resistance and infection prevention and control. However, they don't have any specific sepsis national action plans. So that is an area that uh, is really uh, very unfortunate that six years after the sepsis resolution was adopted by the World Health Assembly, the government level national action plans are missing. And EPSA is uh, very actively uh, engaging with the Western Pacific and the Southeast Asian regional offices of the WHO so that uh, they can raise awareness of sepsis, especially during uh, their ministerial engagements and uh, uh, come up with national action plans because uh, that is very important. Uh, uh, individuals and hospitals, they take things seriously only if they are coming from their respective uh, health ministries in the form of national action uh, plan. So that is one thing that uh, EPSA is uh, very actively doing. Uh, Obviously, fostering research uh, is important to understand sepsis and the burden of sepsis um, in the region. Um, many of the member countries of the uh, EPSA region are uh, doing studies around uh, sepsis, but I will um, talk about only a few projects uh, which are uh, which have been uh, rolled out by the Asia-Pacific Sepsis Alliance. First is the Critical Care uh, Resources and Sepsis Management uh, Survey that was uh, rolled out um, in the EPSA region and 59 ICUs from 15 um, countries responded and 33 uh, of them were from the low middle income uh, countries. And uh, uh, we know that the uh, sepsis bundle, um, two things are very important, uh, the uh, access to point of care, lactate and blood cultures. And this survey showed that even uh, now 20 to 30% of both the low and high income countries still don't have access to point of care uh, lactate. Access to blood cultures was uh, seen in uh, almost uh, all the ICUs that responded, but we have to keep in mind that even the ICUs from the low middle income countries were basically high resource ICUs. So it does not reflect that all ICUs and all uh, LMICs will have access to blood cultures. Um, fortunately, the, all the treatment options, fluids, colloids, vasoactive uh, drugs and hydrocortisones were available uh, to uh, across all income countries. 
surviving sepsis campaign guidelines were the most uh, uh, um, uh, were the guidelines that were adopted by uh, most of the countries in all uh, income groups the sepsis management in low middle income the document that i referred to uh, was adopted by only 14% of the low middle income countries so there seems to be uh, a gap in um, adoption of the guidelines again when it comes to quality improvement projects infection control policies and antimicrobial resistance programs are uh, 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 practic practiced in most of the icus but sepsis specific uh, studies or rcts are uh, really not uh, done in most of the icus Uh, during covid uh, there was lack of evidence and quite a, a huge variation in the management of acute respiratory failure so uh, adopting the delphi uh, methodology an international uh, uh, panel of 39 experts convened uh, to uh, form expert clinical practice uh, statements to uh, give guidance um, in areas where uh, in the management of respiratory failure in, uh, where evidence was um, lacking then we have mosaic study which was done in 386 adult icus from 22 asian countries and this study showed the overall prevalence of sepsis in icu was 22.4% with a high hospital mortality of over 32% and uh, the compliance uh, with sepsis bundle was very low in uh, one hour uh, there's another uh, study with a, a huge sample size of 40000 patients uh, comparing conservative versus liberal oxygenation uh, targets and uh, within it are three nested studies so sepsis is one of the those uh, studies and uh, and nepal india and pakistan these are the low middle income countries that are contributing uh, huge numbers uh, to this uh, study in collaboration with george institute india has rolled out sepsis in india prevalence study and uh, uh, which will uh, give a huge um, uh, uh, input regarding the burden of sepsis uh, in the region Uh, there is an adrenal study which has just completed recruitment it's a multi-centered randomized controlled trial on the use of hydrocortisone in septic shock and again india has rolled out hemodynamic resuscitation and monitoring in sepsis which is uh, currently running in india a uh, collaboration uh, for uh, Uh, research implementation and training in critical uh, care in asia and africa is a network of um, which is working in um, uh, south asia and africa and they have set up uh, icu registries in uh, six out of eight south asian countries and also southeast asian countries like vietnam uh, malaysia and lao so these critical care registries are using the snomed diagnosis and uh, 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 there are more than 230 icus uh, in in these uh, registries and uh, trying to find out the burden of sepsis through this registry is what we are really uh, looking forward uh, to in the near future quality improvement is also high on the agenda of asia pacific sepsis alliance and uh, they they have come up with position uh, statements on sepsis management and 
quality improvement and you can refer to the website for them. So just to sum summarize the activities, the achievements and challenges, I think uh, success and recognition of clinician champions and sepsis organization from uh, member countries uh, has really uh, spread, helped spread awareness um, in the region. Uh, but when it comes to engagement with the World Health Organization, regional offices and health ministries, uh, that is still a challenge and uh, that uh, EPSA is working uh, very hard uh, so that the member countries have national action plan uh, to improve the care of sepsis. EPSA is uh, also working to develop and implement an Asian uh, uh, Pacific sepsis strategy and develop consistent sepsis definition and terms for public uh, for public and uh, 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 use in research. Then uh, EPSA is also trying to build research capacity in the member states because we have uh, different health systems from high to low middle income countries. And we are really looking forward to sepsis prevalence studies to the Critical Care Asia Network, Registry Network, and quality improvement initiatives in the EPSA region. So I, I thank all my colleagues who are members of Asia Pacific Sepsis Alliance and they are working very hard uh, to achieve the uh, vision of, of uh, Asia Pacific Sepsis Alliance. So thank you very much. And if there are any questions, I'm happy to take. Thank you, Maria. Um, thank you so much. We haven't got any questions from the audience uh, either but um i'd just like to say that uh, i was i was thinking about the apps of work with with the who and and the the way you're trying to uh, implement the the resolution in all all uh, asian countries it's really uh, a, a, a very uh, important work i think and as you said uh, the national plans uh, needs to to be spread not not uh, in in all all countries not just in in the in the higher income countries. So I think that's a very important work that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, so now we will uh, continue uh, to hear more about the progress and challenges uh, in, in placing sepsis on the European agenda. And uh, to do so, I would like to welcome my friend from ESA, Evangelos Jermos Borobolis. <laughs> who is uh, chairman for uh, European Sepsis Alliance and joining us today from, I guess, his home in Greece, um, I would assume. Evangelos is a professor uh, of inter internal medicine uh, and infectious diseases at the medical school uh, of the National and Kapodistrian University in Athens. And Evangelos has also been a very important force in the sepsis management and advocacy work here in, in Europe. So please, Evangelos, can you tell us a little bit more about the progress uh, and, and the challenges that we are looking at here in Europe? Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the uh, invitation. Thank you for your kind words. And uh, allow me to summarize a bit. Uh, during all these years that the European Sepsis Alliance has been brought together, uh, what is our experience acquired uh, so far? Uh, before going on, I would like to present my conflict of interest disclosure for this presentation and allow me to show you a map of Europe with the members of the European Sepsis Alliance. And you may see that uh, there is a widespread membership and uh, we have, and that's very important, several 
countries with more than one members. So it's not only uh, the countries which may become members of the European Sepsis Alliance, but are organizations within countries that may become members of the ESA. And actually, we have more than 40 members. And uh, you can see that it's really widespread and uh, there is a very uh, homogeneous distribution across Europe. Uh, the idea was launched in 2011 together with the Global Sepsis Alliance. Actually, it became much more active in 2019 and we had our first steering committee uh, in uh, end of December 2019 and uh, with actually 11 countries and regions being participants. What is the idea? The idea is that we want to uh, foster four main activities. First of all, high-level political engagement. And someone may ask, why is this so important? But it's obvious. In order to act, in order to prevent, in order to expand knowledge, in order to improve patient care, it's not only an issue of education. There are bundles which needs to be built, and this can only be done after political enforcement and the political engagement is very important with us. And what we mean by political engagement, we mean that we want to share our vision with politicians and those who are making, who are, make, are the basic political stakeholders and decision makers. And in order to do that, we need to share our passion with everybody. Patients should be on our side because the patients, they are our better, better advertisement, in quotation marks, for us, because they can bring to the society, they can bring to the political world, they can bring to everybody how frustrating is sepsis, and not only patients, but also their relatives. And of course, we are in need of investments. Allow me to show you some photos coming from our activities, which in the majority of them, were done during the pandemic. That means that they were done in a, a virtual way. Uh, this uh, is the, uh, you see here, uh, contributors from the WHO, uh, particularly Dr. Hans Kluge, uh, John Ryan, uh, Professor Karl Lauterbach, but also uh, you see uh, Dr. Andrew Kaidis, who's a member of, ex-member of the European uh, Parliament, and also you see the current min uh, Minister of Health uh, Policy and Executive of Health Policy uh, from uh, Cyprus who's participating. And here is our mentor for all of us, uh, together with Dr. Lauterbach, Professor Konrad Reinfeldt, uh, who actually is, in quotation marks, the responsible one who shared his passion, his vision with us, and we hope that we can continue uh, under uh, the legacy that he left us. In order to realize how important this is, we need to generate data. And the, genera and the data are generated now, and this is real, through the European Sepsis Care Survey. And that was a big achievement. The big achievement, why? Because it took place during the pandemic. And the idea was that we wanted from healthcare providers across Europe 
to answer to a questionnaire of 94 multidisciplinary questions, actually the mean duration of that was 82 minutes, healthcare providers working in the emergencies, in the ward, in the intensive care units, and tell us what is the reality in every, in each and every corner of Europe regarding capacities and resources, early recognition and screening, guidelines and protocols, diagnostic capabilities, and also the implementation of guidelines. So there was an online questionnaire. The questionnaire was developed by members of the steering committee of the ESA of SSM, of Intensive Care Society of the UK and there was a web-based registration and participation. And actually this was translated in four main, in six main languages, English, German, Polish, Romanian, Russian, and Turkish. Uh, the idea is that uh, we want through the GSA that this is expanded everywhere in the world. Here you see the chain of participating in the network of participating hospitals. And allow me to share with you the conclusions, which although several of them are a bit frustrating, they can be used as the main tool for the unmet medical need. The majority of units have no standardized screening. The majority of units have no standard operating procedure for management of sepsis. Almost 91% of the labs have limited service, which goes delay very few labs. They are open on a daily basis, 24 hours, 7. 70% of the hospitals have no training or quality proven problem. And this means that we need to reshape We need to bring now, this is our next task, to bring the message about how to hit and how to improve quality care for sepsis. That was a huge effort. You have seen more than 1.5,000 hospitals, and this could have never been achieved with our all the participants, but also of our steering committee, which was composed by the members of the first steering committee of the European Sepsis Alliance and also uh, members of other system societies from ASCMED, from ESSM, from EUSM, and all national societies that I want to thank wholeheartedly as the current chairman of the European Sepsis Alliance. In other terms, with this, we can... I apologize, we can support and for a call to action. This means that the action should contain a reduction of bureaucratical hurdles and financial support to promote patient-oriented clinical research on sepsis by the Health Emergency Preparedness and Response Authority, similar to what is done by Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority in the U.S., and via the Horizon Europe program. Inclusion of sepsis should be a priority in the work plan of the European Center for Disease Control and Care. There should be funding of public awareness campaigns on sepsis, similar to those for sexually transmitted diseases, if look at the success of the HIV. There should be a mandatory inclusion of infection control and early sepsis detection notions in first aid courses and school curricula in all European member states. Legislative measures to introduce and implement evidence-based quality improvement measures in hospitals are needed. 
We need to provision of timely pathogen antimicrobial resistance and sepsis diagnostics in all hospitals for emergency and acute care 24 hours 7. We are in need of regulations for the integration and optimization of early sepsis detection of patient pre-hospital emergency medical care and emergency departments. And we are in need of comprehensive treatment programs and research for long-term effects of sepsis, COVID-19, and other infectious diseases on the European and national level. And through this approach, we have now a big argument that this is needed. This call of action is needed just because we have the results from the European Sepsis Survey pointing that. I would like, however, during the last five years, to mention huge progresses in France. The Autorité de Santé is developing clinical guidelines for sepsis. There is patient involvement. Netherlands, exactly the same thing. In Sweden, national processes identifying diagnosis, needing structured healthcare processes. And in this, sepsis was one of the 20 included. There is now an algorithm on how to detect severe sepsis in the emergency department and of patient follow-up process after discharge accompanied by health economic analysis of the national sepsis healthcare process. And great progress we have in Germany through the Joint Federal Committee, through the expert meeting in Budenstag in 2021, and also a launch of a remarkable campaign under a 1.2 million grant by the German Ministry of Health. What should be the next steps? Educational webinars, for which we are committed during the second half of this year, a socioeconomical impact assessment study collecting input and seeking funds, and the continued advocacy activities. With this, I would like to conclude my talk, but I would like to address my sincere thanks to all those to whom I mentioned during my talk, to all those whom I did not mention. I would like to address special thanks to Dr. Christian Scher and thanks to his devotion. We have these huge successful results coming from the European Sepsis Survey. And I would like once more to express my gratitude to the founder and the visionary of this idea, Professor Conrad Reinhardt. Thank you very much. Thank you, Manuel. Uh, sorry, Evangelos. Uh, Really interesting to hear uh, the European um, agenda and the call to action. I obviously know about it since I'm in part of the ESA, but I think it, it's a it's a good thing to to promote um, to have that kind of uh, call to action. Some really clear points of what what to do and, and what what's the way forward uh, on on a sort of a, a continental. Basis and that might be something that could be useful in in other parts of the world. I think to have that kind of very clear vision of, of what to do. So thank you so much. We we don't have any questions from the audience at this point. So I think we should uh, thank you so much, Evangelos, and and continue continue the the talks here. We are um, almost on time here. So let's let's continue with the speaker. Uh, the, the next speaker, which is. Uh, 
Come, coming uh, from uh, transporting all the way from another continent here, uh, from Brazil. And uh, we'd like to welcome Daniela Sousa from the Latin American uh, Sepsis Institute, who will talk about the progress uh, in the fight against sepsis in Latin America. Daniela is the president of the Latin American Sepsis Institute, uh, and she's currently working as a pediatrician trick uh, intensivist at the uh, University of Sao Paulo and the hospital Sirio uh, Libanes. And uh, Daniela is also um, serves as a medical assistant and professional <coughs> professor and researcher. She's a member of the uh, Pediatric Sepsis Definition Task Force, a member of the Sepsis Committee uh, at AM. Um, IB, which is the Brazilian Intensive Care Medicine Association, and she's a member of the steering committee uh, on sepsis at the Latin American Society for Pediatric Intensive Care. So she has a lot of uh, uh, knowledge about sepsis, obviously. But today, Daniela will talk about the progress uh, in the fight against sepsis in Latin America. So please, Daniela, fire away. Thank you. Uh, it is an on, uh, honor to be a guest speaker at this global uh, event. Uh, I don't have any economic conflicts of interest related to this presentation. Uh, we know uh, sepsis is a major global public health issue due to uh, its high incidence, mortality, morbidity, and financial uh, burden to families and society. Data from uh, the Global Bird of Disease Report demonstrate that most of uh, the 50 million cases of sepsis in 2017 and 11 million deaths related to sepsis occurred in low-middle-income countries, which include Latin America. However, the precise incidence and mortality of sepsis are unknown in these regions. Uh, the, the data from Global uh, Bird of Disease Report uh, demonstrate that uh, sepsis-related incidence and mortality varied according to the region. For example, the incidence and mortality from sepsis in Latin America are at least twice as high as uh, that seen in North America. But uh, why does this happen? Latin America is a sub-region of the Americas. It is a vast and diverse geopolitical uh, area with variations in income distribution, access to healthcare, education, bas uh, basic sanitation, and access to technology. Several indicators emphasize the vulnerability of people in Latin America to sepsis, such as low vaccination coverage, low literacy rate, high prevalence of preventable conditions, and an overcrowded and overburdened public, uh, public health uh, care systems. Reasons for this uh, significant burden of sepsis may include lack of, uh, lack of data on incidence and mortality, lack of knowledge about sepsis by lay public and by health professionals, insufficient uh, government funding uh, for sepsis care programs, lack of adequate resources, and deficient primary health care, and high rates of antimicrobial resistance. Uh, in this way, uh, 
WHO has demanded that member of countries implement measures for the prevention, diagnosis and treatment uh, of sepsis to reduce the burden of sepsis. Quality sepsis management requires effective systems of care, which include early recognition and treatment. The COVID-19 pandemic uh, has highlighted the vulnerability of healthcare systems in resource-limited countries. This picture very well represents the sad reality of sepsis in Latin America. Uh, we believe uh, uh, that the solution is centered around global and local efforts. Uh, coordinated by politicians, policymakers, healthcare administrations, research and clinicians working in all healthcare environments. In Brazil, Latin American Sepsis Institute works in line with the WHO resolution and works to promote uh, actions in all areas to reduce the burden of sepsis. First, Latin America has been working to understand the real burden of sepsis in Brazil. The first step is to recognize and understand the challenge. In this way, uh, LASI, or Latin American Sepsis Institute, coordinated a one-day point prevalence study in a stratified pseudo-random sample of Brazilian adults, ICUs, and PICOs, with follow-up to assess the national incidence, prevalence, and in-hospital sepsis mortality. In 2014, the study carried out uh, in adults' ICUs, uh, the prevalence of sepsis was 30% and the mortality rate was 56%. In 2019, the prevalence of sepsis in PICO was 25% with a mortality rate of 20%. Uh, based on this data, we estimate that in Brazil there were more than 4,000 and 5,000 uh, patients with ICU-treated sepsis per year and more than 240,000 deaths. Uh, in this uh, other study carried out with a non-randomized ER sample in Brazil, the mortality rate due to sepsis uh, in ER was 30%. What draws our attention is that 40% of patients who remained in the ER until discharge, 6% evolved to death. Based on the analysis of an ICU quality program in Argentina, the authors demonstrated that the prevalence and mortality from sepsis in children decreased over time. But again, lower socioeconomic conditions were associated with high, higher prevalence but similar sepsis outcome. Well, the second uh, step uh, Latin American Sepsis Institute has been promoting actions to raise awareness about sepsis and the importance of uh, preventable. Uh, in 2018, Latin American Sepsis Institute organized a meeting uh, with other regional alliances in Latin America, supported by PAHO, and approved the São Paulo Declaration. These regional alliances are important in raising awareness about sepsis at the local level and are in line with the WHO resolution. In 2021, 
the city of São Paulo, uh, through a mandate, established a uh, sepsis prevention program. These actions aim to encourage and promote government participation in the fight against sepsis. Uh, for over a decade, Le uh, Latin American Sepsis Institute has worked closely uh, with public and private institutions, institutions to implement sepsis quality improvement initiatives. Through these initiatives, these studies was carried out in a network of private uh, hospitals in Brazil. With followed the sepsis quality improvement program, demonstrated that quality improvement programs for sepsis are cost effective and cost saving. In these uh, other studies, also coordinated by Latin American Sepsis Institute in public and private hospitals, we observed uh, uh, an overall reduction in the risk uh, of deaths in time to recognition and an increase in adherence rates to bundles. However, public hospitals failed to sustain the mortality reduction activity at the beginning of the process, whereas private ones sustained the progress reduction in mortality um, rates. Um, Latin America also, uh, Latin, Latin American Sepsis Institute also encourages and promotes uh, sepsis research and we are making progress. Latin American experts are me members of the Surviving Sepsis Campaign and members of the Sepsis Definition Task Force. Uh, local guidelines have, have been discussed and implemented. In recent decades, uh, several papers on sepsis in Latin America have been published in high-impact journals. Believing that the education is the key uh, to success in reducing the burden of sepsis in Latin America, uh, LASI in 2011 launched a free online education program for health uh, professionals with topics related to the management of sepsis in newborns, children and adults. These programs have already been uh, viewed by more than uh, 10,000 uh, students and health professionals. Um, quality uh, sepsis management requires an eff effective uh, systems of care. What do we need to do? Improve the prevention, diagnosis, and management of sepsis. Increase awareness about sepsis, robust data, robust and resilient healthcare professions. Latin American Sepsis Institutes works to achieve these goals in Latin America. Our journey is long, but uh, we uh, start the process. We believe uh, high quality and low resources are possible. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniela. Really um, interesting to hear what, what, what you're doing in Latin America. Um, we, we don't have any questions uh, for this speaker either. Uh, please, uh, if you uh, want to sp uh, raise a question to the speaker, just uh, write into the to the chat in in uh, in the website. Um, well, uh, I think we can. We we are a little bit short of time, so I think we will just continue to our next uh, speaker, uh, uh, the final speaker of this session, Russia Ashur 
uh, from the Eastern Mediterranean Sepsis Alliance, uh, calling him from Qatar, I believe, uh, who will be talking about sepsis quality improvements uh, in Qatar and experiences uh, an experience from the Eastern Mediterranean region. And Russia is a senior attending physician, uh, general academic uh, pediatrician at Sidra Medis Medicine Hospital, uh, and assistant professor in clinical pediatrics pediatrics at both Bill Cornell uh, Medical College, Qatar, and Faculty of Medicine, Qatar University. She is lead for the Sidra Sepsis Program, uh, the pediatric lead for the Qatar National Pediatric Sepsis Program, and founding member of the Eastern Mediterranean Global Sepsis Alliance uh, Steering Committee. So you have a lo lot of experience from the sepsis field, Russia. Tell us more about the sepsis quality improvement in Qatar. Hi, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for the nice introduction and thank you for uh, the organizing and uh, scientific planning committee allowing us uh, and inviting us to share in this uh, wonderful uh, congress. Uh, we will, uh, I will start our topic uh, with uh, sepsis quality improvement in Qatar and experience from Eastern Mediterranean region. So I have to share uh, my focus on both on Qatar journey and sepsis five and on Eastern Mediterranean sepsis alliance as we are the youngest alliance in the global sepsis alliance. Uh, I will start with uh, this piece of art. This is the Sidra Medicine, uh, our institute. I am spending a lot of time there. And we are a member of Qatar Foundation. We are taking uh, and offering uh, high quality tertiary care for children and women in national and international field. And on, not only the quality improvement, uh, we are also collaborate with academic uh, uh, partners like Wilkerne Medical College Qatar and Qatar uh, University uh, College of Medicine. We are also leading researches which is related to sepsis and uh, related to COVID. I don't have any conflict of interest to start in my topic and my, my talk will include a brief introduction, how we started and then little bit detail about Qatar sepsis journey. It is a 10 year and we are celebrating this year, inshallah, the 10th uh, World Sepsis Day in Qatar. And uh, we had uh, a good experience at a national level uh, with the National Patient Safety Collaborative and the regional with the Eastern Mediterranean Sepsis Alliance. Then the most important part of my talk is the overcome challenges. How we can overcome challenges through the electronic sepsis in 2023 and I, I will summarize my talk later. By uh, Qatar realized earlier that the sepsis is a life-threatening global medical emergency and it is a final co final common pathway for vast majority, as you all know, from the infectious diseases, including COVID-19. Believing that sepsis is preventable and curable, Qatar prioritized sepsis and make it one of the top priority of uh, the quality improvement initiative for the last uh, years. 10 years from 
So our catharsis journey, it is summarized in this uh, nice figure. Uh, we will start uh, since 2013. We started with HMC. It is uh, the principal public uh, uh, healthcare uh, provider in uh, over uh, three decades in the, the state of Qatar and the main governmental hospitals. It is the eight uh, main big hospitals with uh, uh, multiple uh, pediatric emergency departments and it includes uh, 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 it started sepsis at adult level and then distributed uh, to maternity, women, uh, neonatal, pediatric, and uh, other units uh, through the years from 2013 to 2016. Sedra started inpatient uh, very, very recent in 2018. We opened the doors for the inpatient. So Sedra sepsis program started late 2017 before opening the doors for our patient and we started simulations and preparation for the program. So we were so lucky in 2018 January we started the National Vision Safety Collaborative by lead from the Ministry of Public Health, uh, Hamad Healthcare Quality Institute, IHI were, were uh, a big a big uh, help for us starting this quality initiative and starting services at Qatar level. And then in 2019, the Ministry of Public Health published the guideline for the national sepsis program and it was implemented in all governmental and private sectors. In 2020, we concentrated during COVID, we concentrated on the electronic system updates, how we can help in early detection without er uh, minimize the errors and the delay in, in recognition and how to uh, use the uh, the golden hour in, at a national level and at a standardized level. In 2023, we are doing a currently performance evaluation and monitoring and trying to solve the challenge. As you can see in the arrows below, at all levels, there is a multiple challenge we, we, we are facing. For uh, Sorry, our uh, main aim was uh, the uh, harm the, to reach zero harm, and this is the national aim. And we took the sepsis fight as a national mission from the start uh, in all level uh, in Qatar. The steps we got for having a Qatar sepsis program, we had the initial steps like WHO requirement and the Global Sepsis Alliance, also the sepsis prevention. We are leading a lot of the quality improvement initiative related to vaccination, clean water, hand hygiene, prevent hospital-acquired infection, safe childbirth and awareness, healthcare provider and public. We started to have a culture of sink sepsis, and we had uh, the philosophy of uh, sepsis kills of the three hours recognition, resuscitation, and referral. And we had concentrated on the education, education for the healthcare providers through the World Sepsis Day annual and the public sepsis uh, webinars. We did it in English and in Arabic, and we have our regional share and international 
regional chair for our experience. We have uh, leading some research here in Qatar related mainly to the septic shock. We are uh, messed a little in uh, the biomarkers and in uh, the early detection, but uh, the screening uh, of uh, the sepsis, uh, electronic screening, uh, we are in advance in, in this part. So what are the principles? We had the sepsis care pathway, a unified standardized tool. We had the system integration with Cerner early warning system. Uh, we use spark communication, local care, and uh, local protocols. And we did education and performance evaluation. This is the national patient, uh, sorry, this is the national sepsis care pathway with the three hours, as I mentioned before. We we standardized today, I, I hear Dr. Conrad and others talking about also the standardized definition. We did that. We standardized definition, which was very challenging at the start of the program to, to have a unified definition for sepsis for time zero of the time of deterioration of the patient and detection of that and the, the golden hour, uh, which is the 60 minutes from the time zero. To have a simple and easy use of the quality improvement on the daily clinical practice, we try to have sepsis diagnostic kit and sepsis antibiotic kit. So this make making the pathway easier to be implemented. Also, the consideration for the patient preference in relation to care. This was one of the most important for us at a national level. For the sixth item in the sixth bundle, in sepsis six bundle, it didn't change even uh, through since 2004. They talk a lot about uh, one, uh, one hour, three hour, and they talk about a lot of uh, about uh, the timing. There was a lot of challenges also about uh, uh, how to implement this, how to sustain this in all hospitals. It wasn't that easy, and it was very challenging at uh, inter national level, but uh, the item inside the, the six item, it didn't change through the kids now. And it is the, the six item, as you can see here in our posters, it is in all units. There is a poster to remind everyone about uh, the three diagnostic and the three uh, therapeutic. We had a sepsis response box, which include a lot of items inside to make it so easy just to catch the book, uh, the box and uh, start the action immediately and do not delete we didn't forget uh, the antibiotic stewardship uh, in uh, sepsis in Qatar. So antimicrobial stewardship is uh, crucial to keep in mind uh, when treating patients with sepsis. The antimicrobial prescription must be reviewed. This is a, 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 a mandate for all healthcare system in Qatar within 48 hours from the initiation of any antimicrobial. It should be reviewed either by member of the infection disease or member of equivalent antimicrobial stewardship. We had a certain regulation. We all, I, I think you all know about it, about do not overuse the antimicrobial and do not uh, do, do 
to do de-escalation whenever you have a culture sensitivity and you have a bug to, to concentrate on. Uh, use short courses, and, uh, do not prolong. Use the inflammatory markers, and we are trying with the brocalstonin here to, to use it as a marker and the CRP. Uh, the antibiotic discontinuation, this is very important. When to discontinue, when to judge about the clinical condition and the laboratory, plus uh, never to use it as a prophylaxis. We did uh, pre-implementation education for the nurses in, since 2018. The, the, it was a lot of sessions, uh, education sessions, PowerPoints, uh, workshop uh, simulations, uh, and we also got IHI uh, share with us uh, how to start the, the quality improvement uh, during the clinical practice, the daily practice, and it was very useful. And uh, we had also, phar the pharmacist did a great job for the first dose preparation in the unit. It wasn't uh, there in the nurse's scope in Qatar before sepsis. And now it is the part of uh, the nurse's uh, scope of service. They can uh, do preparation without calling the pharmacy so they can accelerate and prompt action. Bedside simulation done for the nurses and done also for physicians at different level. We have uh, uh, seniors, but we have juniors, the hospitalists, clinical fellows and residents. So we did a lot of sessions for education. We had also sepsis education module, which is mandatory every two years for all medical staff in the governmental and private sectors. It, uh, it is since 2018 and we are planning to update because we had a, a lot of updates in the electronic system. Without the leadership support, we will never go on. This is our Minister of uh, Ministry of Public Health, leaders from HMC and leaders uh, from CEDRA. So they supported us and currently they are following with us the, the data and they are asking us where we are, what we are doing. So they are keeping sepsis on top of the priority. This picture from 2018, the start of the workshop, including physician, nurses, and patient, including emergency, intensivist, microbiology, infection disease, ministry of public health uh, uh, representative, and all they did the their part. So the state of Qatar has cooperated uh, sorry, with the WHO regional office uh, for the Eastern Mediterranean in many initiatives and activities aimed to improve quality and safety of healthcare service. And hence, Qatar recognized very well that sepsis is a high risk condition. So the, it, it remains the, the focus for us, a strategic focus for the Ministry of Public Health for years and the top priority of uh, the National Health uh, Program. This is uh, some photos from the, the sessions, the learning sessions, and uh, the visits from the National Patient Safety Collaborative, which spread the culture of seeing sepsis all over Qatar. The uh, Qatar also uh, uh, doing World Sepsis Day since 2013 annual on 13 of September with the Global Sepsis Alliance World Sepsis Day, and uh, we are sharing uh, almost in all healthcare facility by you by uh, having a lot of activities for the healthcare provider just to refresh their knowledge about sepsis. We are doing uh, games uh, when and uh, play and when booster competition at Qatar. 
water level with uh, uh, posters related to sepsis, pocket cards, ben, uh, badge, TV screens in the waiting area. It is having some information related to sepsis during this week and patient and family education material in all clinical areas. We are uh, honored to be with the, the poster annual since 2018. And there is a lot of other activities going that support sepsis prevention, like hand hygiene day in every in May, uh, Qatar Patient Safety Week uh, in September, sepsis, uh, as I mentioned, activity in uh, September, vaccine week. This is currently, since yesterday, we started the vaccine awareness week in Qatar, along with the WHO, and we are sharing our experience, as I mentioned before. Very important step for Qatar was the, the, the uh, being apart from the Eastern Mediterranean Sepsis Alliance. Our alliance vision is the Eastern Mediterranean region free of sepsis, and uh, it, uh, uh, we are member from uh, the Global Sepsis Alliance, so anyone uh, will, uh, will be uh, direct from uh, Eastern Mediterranean Sepsis Alliance member to be a Global Sepsis Alliance member. Uh, uh, it is an international uh, alliance congress. Uh, it is founded in Dubai in April 2019, but relaunched again in uh, 2021 and uh, Dr. Abdel Ilah, our chair, uh, he gave us a chance to share in that event of launching and Qatar, uh, one of the Eastern Mediterranean steering committee uh, since 2022 because we are young uh, alliance as I mentioned before. We are seven members till now but our aim is uh, implement the WHO resolution on sepsis and try to move on with development of the regional uh, sepsis busway and uh, to try to have uh, regional researches more on sepsis and to try to, to move on with uh, sepsis uh, file at a regional level. This is my part about how how to to overcome the challenges. I think the time is moving on, but this is very important that to keep sepsis remaining all the time the quality priority of the year for for all hospitals. Updating the guideline always with the antibiotic according to the antibiogram and according to the antibiotic stewardship. Updating Cerner. Uh, screen and uh, we had a very uh, unique uh, novel uh, screen uh, with uh, team sepsis. Team sepsis is uh, uh, using Abu Sera. I will talk about it in the coming slide. We updated the order set in a way to uh, be sure about the compliance. This is part of the screens for the adult screen. It includes both adult and women. So the non-pregnant is uh, under adult screen, the, the, the pregnant under woman, and there is yes or no in each item. And then at the end, you will see how many yeses. So you will say suspect sepsis. The nurse will be so confident to call the physician to evaluate the patient. For the neonatal 
hematology same. We had in ICU sepsis screen and we have postpartum new sepsis screen. And for pediatric, there is a lot of updates related to auto populate science, vital science, which make it easier for the nurses to have yes or no. We specify, we, we uh, unify the, the use of the sepsis screen in all units, uh, in every shift, uh, and then uh, as a start of the shift, and then in every shift, uh, in, in any uh, condition of the patient or in uh, moving the patient from a unit to another. We had a very uh, unique action plan added to the Cerner here for all sepsis at all levels, not only pediatric, uh, that uh, you activate RRT, uh, rapid response team, or you call the physician only, or you call the Fusera team set already the patient on antibiotic already initiated. There is a lot of options that make it easier for the collection of data and know where is the deficiencies and where is the, the defect. So we are maintaining the, the quality of what we are giving. This is one of the novel uh, uh, topic I, I, I wish to share with you. Sidra uh, did the Vocera team services using Vocera and button tone, button phone. And started in multiple phases. It started first in the non-ICU setting, then in ICU setting and ED. And they started to, to use the sepsis screen and then from that to uh, call the center, the SSOC center. So they send a message for a team. The team con continue, uh, con uh, included the, the CNL uh, and the nurse lead, the nurse, uh, the, the uh, vascular team and uh, the a senior resident, the clinical fellow, and the consultant. So there is a specific team as Bershaft, and there is a coverage of 24-7 and using communication through SPAR. This is the order set for all items. The new for the order set also for Qatar is the, the nurse initiation of order set. The nurse can initiate four items out of six. So we kept for the physician the IV antibiotic and the IV uh, fluid, and we uh, give the nurse to, to fast react with uh, give oxygen, take lactate, blood culture, and measure the urine output. For the antibiotic updates, we didn't only focus on uh, uh, age and source. We focus also in community-acquired or hospital-acquired organisms. And we did a communication order, which I, I would like to share also with all of you. Apology for the time I have. Uh, I, Sorry. Uh, so uh, we have, a, uh, this is the, the last uh, comment about uh, uh, how, to how to collect data at a national level. Still, we have the challenge in that. HMC and uh, some of the private sector are sharing the data in a quality queue life program. And uh, CEDRA sharing the, the, the data through Tableau software. We are doing sepsis assessment and uh, reassessment order set to use the percentage of compliance, uh, mortality, and escalation. This is our mortality rate. We are uh, COVID-free uh, hospital. So uh, we had uh, a low uh, number of sepsis patients, uh, 700 in the year of 2022. We had eight This is uh, so the percent is 1.1% mortality. The national sepsis mortality in Qatar is 2.8%, which was uh, in 
2020 before COVID, after COVID still, we didn't get uh, the final. This is the COVID, this is the final talk for me and uh, the main, main uh, item uh, to share with you, standardized services definition, share experience, do education, 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 all the time educate, multidisciplinary approach and uh, collaborative uh, approach with the regional area. Uh, thank you and uh, I would thank uh, my team. This is uh, my uh, huge support team uh, in SIDRA and in SEPSIS. Thank you, Dr. Corner and the Global SEPSIS Alliance. They gave us the, the award for 2019 and thank you for everyone. Sorry for being extended. <laughs> No worries. I know you have a lot to share, Russia, and it's it's been really interesting to listen to. And and we do have a question uh, since, since it's really impressive what you've been improve the improvements in in the national plans in Qatar. And then we have a question here uh, due to that improvement in Qatar. Uh, what is the has have you seen a change of the mortality rate of sepsis patients uh, in in ICUs in in Qatar due to this? work that you've been doing have you have you been able to measure it in, 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 in yeah yes so so it wasn't that easy at a level of qatar to have the data about the mortality when we started in 2013 and it was so difficult because everyone is alone and everyone having his own protocol so we couldn't at the start to say we have this mortality and so we'll move on to that percent so what we did we did we say we will decrease the mortality through maintaining the compliance with the six bundle so in qatar we are concentrating on the compliance to the sepsis 6 bundle, which is proven to decrease the mortality by 25%. So this is at a Qatar level. But at SIDRA level, we have a mortality at the start of SIDRA with 4.9% in 2018. And then gradually, we decrease now to 1.1%. No, that's really brilliant. Thank you so much, Russia, for this really interesting talk. Uh, we are now... Uh, Closing up for today, we uh, I'd like to to uh, uh, thank everybody for who for joining us um, uh, from all over the world, and uh, I'm really happy that we have viewers uh, who have been giving us a little in the chat, saying hello from 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 all over the world. So that's really nice. Um, I think maybe Marvin, we have a few things we'd like to. Thank our our uh, um, our um, supporters, the 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 um, sponsors. Sorry, um, and uh, we also like to make make you um, uh, um, yes, our sponsors. Yes, and we also like to uh, say that in all the sixteen sessions that we have now been uh, looking at uh, today and tomorrow, they will be available uh, in in uh, in a few. Uh, well, next week will be the first ones. Uh, so session one and two will be available from Tuesday. And uh, then every Tuesday there will be two more sessions uh, available. So you can um, um, you can uh, find them on on our website. And uh, also uh, there will be a podcast available on the website from from these sessions. 
Um, and then, obviously, we will also like to uh, tell you to 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 join us and follow us on on uh, on our social media platforms. And this is a good way to really um, stay in tune with what is happening uh, from the Global Sepsis Alliance uh, all year around. So please follow us on our, on our social media. Uh, platforms and thank you so much for joining us today uh we hope you've had an interesting evening at the i definitely know that i have it's been uh interesting to see what's happening around the world uh, when it comes to sepsis management uh and uh it's it's really brilliant that we can meet in this in in this way so thank you all for joining us and uh, have a good evening or maybe a good day wherever you are or maybe even good night so uh Thank, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening, and thanks to everybody who contributed to making the Fourth World Sepsis Congress possible. Session 6 is already in your feed, and Session 7 and 8 will follow on May 23rd. Until then, stay safe, and thanks for joining.